Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and begs producer guy, please, please come back. We 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 were we were only too happy for producer guy to go on holiday, but that, that can't happen again. That really can't happen again. Uh, I'm Kevin Day, and the, the man chuckling in the background is Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. How are you, Kieran? I'm I'm very good. I'm going to see uh, I'm going to see from the Jam tonight uh, at a church in Brighton. Yeah, that how and it's an acoustic set. How hipster can that be? You never fail to surprise me Kieran if you're, so so hang on so this is a, a jam tribute act but well it's 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 Bruce Foxton um, uh, uh, well same yes it's, it's same thing then basically uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright so it's it's, it's alright the one if you can't get tickets for Paul Weller you'll you'll go and see Bruce Foxton but it's acoustic Bruce Foxton yes Oh, yeah, okay. in, in in St Peter's Church in Brighton. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited. I bet you are. Well, and uh, what, I wonder what their policy is on the uh, Bruce Foxton jumping up and down, like, which, <laughs> which didn't didn't look cool when he was 23. It's not going to look cool now. <laughs> uh, he's he's a very nice chap, Bruce Foxton. They're all the members of the Jam are uh, very nice chaps. Just don't go drink. Yeah, I oh, yeah, Paul. It, yeah, I wouldn't go drinking with them, but. Um, yeah, yeah, Paul Weller's great. I've had I had two uh, two amazing nights with Paul Weller. One night, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's Newsday, Kieran, and we have a very interesting mixed bag of stories. And we start with uh, we start with a club that's normally on your on your good step, Kieran, and that's Chesterfield. Uh, Chesterfield are issuing shares to fans, but while admitting that the shares are actually worthless, is is a method in this madness, Kieran? Yeah, they're still very much on on my good step. Uh, Chesterfield have been, in my view, one of the most transparent clubs in recent years in terms of the information they put out. They've recently been acquired by the Supporters Trust. Um, they've they've written off a load of loans, and I think uh, they they were converted into shares. And what what the clubs now said is, if you want to feel part of Chesterfield going forwards. We're going to issue some shares. You will get a share certificate in return for that. You will get the the official Chesterfield seal, which which I didn't know Chesterfield had an official seal, but uh, you'll get your official seal on your share certificate. Um, and effectively, we recommend you you, know, you frame these, stick them up on a wall, because you're not going to get rich from them. And that's that's the way it should be, because. We, we we know that football clubs don't make money. Um, there will be it's it's a it's a memento uh, of of the club in the same way as you might want to you know you might want to get a, a, a program from a favourite match framed or something like that. So the club's been very upfront to say don't expect to get a financial return on this. It's it's effectively it's just a uh, it, it's a certificate that you're buying. It's not going to cost you very much money and. Uh, if you want to, it's it's a chance to be part of the club. Oh, I see. So it's it's that single word "worthless" there makes it sound a negative story, when in fact it's the opposite of that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I, I think I think they're just saying um, because of the change in ownership of the club going forwards, there'll be many uh, Chesterfield fans who want to give some form of additional support to the uh, to, to the trust, um, and and this is a way of putting money. 
uh, into the club. I mean, Chesterfield's a, it's a, it's a fantastic city to visit as an away mm. fan. I can still remember the battle the battle of Chesterfield from two thousand and one when when they beat us with one nil. Uh, beat us one nil with six minutes to go. Uh, one of the greatest matches I've ever been to. And afterwards, I think it's fair to say, uh, Uncle Terry would have been proud of the of the. Or in fact, Graham Soonis would have been proud because it then became it then became a man's a man's activity where a, a bunch of assholes decided to to knock seven bells out of each other. Uh, you, you could have straightened the spire. Uh, well, that's a good story to start with, Kieran. It, it, it does say uh, comedian on my passport, so I am on a bound to say that I'm slightly worried about the seal. Uh, this, this, the Chesterfield, the Chesterfield seal. All sorts of images spring to mind, especially when you said it's going to be on someone's toilet wall in Chesterfield. <laughs> uh, I've just got. We we know we the lovely Marcia is a is a. Uh, a regular listener to this show. She's part of the Chesterfield setup, and I'll just have an image of her throwing fish at a seal on the toilet wall, which is going to take <laughs> it's going to take me most of the day to get rid of. Now, um, Thomas Tuchel has a, uh, I think we can say, a large financial penalty impending for his comments about referee Anthony Taylor. This this is not a pod, Kieran, where we tend to moralise. You and I, we're not. No. When we don't judge people, Kieran, because we know that in the heat of the moment, people will say things, but. I thought Tuchel's comments about Anthony Taylor being biased towards Chelsea was shameful. They must be challenged. Um, you can't go around saying things like that about Anthony Taylor hating Chelsea when it's quite obvious to everybody that it's Palace. He, <laughs> he hates, he quite clearly hates Palace. I don't know where Chelsea get this idea from that Anthony Taylor hates him. But he, he's, um, he, I know he was cross, but you, you simply can't out loud in public on television say that the referee has a bias against your team and shouldn't be allowed to referee them again, can you? So he's going to get a lot of a lot of financial pain, I think, isn't he? Yes. Uh, I, we, we all feel we all feel that referees have got it in for us. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a major beef for for Mike Dean for for many years, but but then you realise actually that they that they they give honest decisions. Now mm. the decisions you might not agree with, but uh, that we are very fortunate in this country to have a refereeing system which is uh, not subject to bias. If, if you take a look at uh, some certain YouTube clips, you will realise that uh, that that's not a universal benefit. Uh, so, in in respect of uh, Thomas Tuchel's comments, uh, you know Chelsea do have quite a lot of history when it comes to managers and fines uh, I, I remember Jose Mourinho was was he was fined 10,000 pounds for sarcasm <laughs> which, which which can you imagine in your job if, if, if you get done for that <laughs> yeah to a point um John Terry was fined 220,000 pounds so I, I think this is going to be quite a big a big fine coming to Shaw's way uh, if, if he, presumably he will be charged by the Football Association because uh, to to try to mobilise fans, and now of course we've got one of these daft daft things on Change Doc Org. Change Doc Org. Change Doc Org is is a is a German website which I'd rather not refer to yeah. in a family show. Um, but now we've got a petition to have Anthony Taylor not not being allowed to to referee. Chelsea's matches. I think he is refereeing West Ham versus Brighton this mm. Sunday. Um, referees come under an awful lot of scrutiny. That he will now have additional scrutiny, which is, isn't going to help him. Referees 
give what they see. Uh, I, I know as, a, as somebody that used to be a referee myself, I'll, I'll openly admit I got it wrong. But then, you know, you're pointing out to that the, the centre forward that's calling you all the names under the sun. Yeah, you, you just missed one from six yards. Mm. You got it wrong as well. Yeah, we don't, no, nobody sets out to make mistakes. And, and, and a lot of refereeing is to, is to do with judgment on the time, at the, mm. at the point in time. Did, did you ever tell the players when you were a referee that you were colourblind? Um, no. Okay. Uh, because if I had done, uh, it would have got around very, very quickly. <laughs> and I think I would have been in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the idea of uh, football fans uh, getting p- petitions. I like the idea that football can be governed by fans' petitions. And who can forget the Brighton one when you, Brighton fans discovered that the salmon in the sandwiches was farmed? <laughs> that, was, uh, that, that petition went round Sussex like a lightning, didn't it? Um, it's a slightly odd story, possibly disturbing. It, Israeli fans wanting hospitality package for the next World Cup may have a bit of a problem. Yes, um, you know the, the the great thing about the World Cup, and I've been fortunate to to attend a few World Cups, is that you you meet fans not just from the countries which are participating in the tournament, but from from all over the world because it, it's a it's a fantastic occasion, um, and I genuinely hope that the Qatar twenty twenty two World Cup is a success because then the fans will have enjoyed themselves, but. Um, if you can't get uh, sort of you know, your regular Joe tickets, uh, and you know I I, I normally apply via the, the FIFA website, mm. um, you can go for hospitality packages, but um, there is no uh, there there is no uh, opportunity to do that uh, via Israel, but there is one, um, and it, this is you can understand why this might be causing uh, some disconcertment. You can get one for the the occupied Palestinian territories. Now, I'm not getting involved in Middle East. Uh, geopolitics mm. but th- that appears to be a bit of an inconsistency there fifa are saying well nobody came forward from israel offering to be um a a hospitality package person but that that sounds you know it sounds a bit like they're backtracking it's going to be interesting if you are uh, a fan from israel it's the first time you'll be able to go to qatar without uh, a a foreign passport mm. um yeah but clearly there is there is some uh, geopolitical issues there, but you would have thought that given that FIFA want to maximise revenues, and I don't think ticket sales have necessarily gone as well as everybody would have hoped, no. that they would have tried to make uh, you know, th- these these packages available it locally uh, as easy uh, and and as as broadly as possible, and that doesn't appear to be the case. Uh, you say FIFA claimed that nobody in Israel came forward to sell these. Does that imply then that? They franchise this. It's not just done through the FIFA website that they actually give it to travel agents or whatever to sell these packages? Yes. So so what happens is that FIFA will normally focus on, on selling uh, tickets to, to fans uh, directly. And then in terms of the hospitality packages, they they will delegate that to, to local agents who know the market and, and therefore – probably know how soft or hard the market is in terms of price resistance uh, because you know the, the packages tend to be quite eye-wateringly expensive yeah uh, which is which is why we tend to avoid them so they've got flexibility with the prices and so these agents can charge pretty much what they want within parameters um yes because what what they will do is that they will offer you a package which will include 
hotel, uh, you know, perhaps a, a limousine to the ground. Uh, oh, okay, right. uh, you know, so, so they'll offer you far more than just a, a match ticket. Right. We travel far and wide on this pod, Kieran. Is that Finley coming, <laughs> is that Finley, Finley coming in or going out? He's, he's, he's lying down waiting for the, the Baroness to return from the gym because he's, he's not at his wonky chomp yet this morning. So he's, uh, he's, he's got a long face. You know, I, I remember the time when you lying down waiting for the Baroness to come back from the gym, giving him the same sort of long face. <laughs> we discussed many subjects on this show, Kieran. Uh, I never thought when we started this, uh, well, A, that it was last, but B, <laughs> yes. that, B that we'd, we'd be in a situation where we'd, we were discussing the price of uh, Factor 50 Sungreen, but it was one of those perfect Twitter storms at the weekend, wasn't it, at Manchester City? Well, yes, especially you know, having having lived in Manchester for forty years of my life, you know, Factor Fifty in Manchester, there's there's never been a need before. <laughs> um, so, you know, even even when I used to play cricket, it was uh, it, it was uh, never too much of an issue. But um, this is, um, I think, it's an own goal, not just by Manchester City last weekend, yeah. but we've seen evidence of this at other clubs as well. In a fan contacted Manchester City. Uh, you know, sort of support group, and they said, "Look, it's it's thirty two degrees uh, in Manchester th- this weekend. Is it? Am I okay bringing sun cream to the match?" And the reply was, "Oh, no, you can't do that. Um, you know, it it might be used as a weapon." I'm going, "Yeah, you're not going to if you're going to lob something, you're not going to spend sort of seven or eight quid on a on a bottle of Factor Fifty and then lob it half empty." At, uh, at some irritating Bournemouth footballer who you know, said he would come <laughs> to them. This it, it, is beyond common sense. But we also saw it that some clubs were making it uh, impossible. Uh, it, it was a ridiculously hot weekend. We're in the, the middle of this heat wave. Some clubs were still refusing uh, to allow fans to to bring in water to the game mm. with them. They're saying, oh, yeah, we think you should hydrate. And, and then they're charging you £2.50 for a bottle of water when you get in there you know it it, it 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 has to work both ways you know some clubs got it right fair play to, to brentford i believe they were they were actually handing out water bottles yep. to fans uh, inside the stadium but uh, I, I saw some of the pictures uh, i think uh, leeds fans had a hard time uh, everton fans had a hard time in in terms of of accessing catering facilities and it was ridiculously hot we knew it was going to be hot so therefore you plan in advance and it, and it doesn't cost a football club a huge amount of money to to get in you know a, a couple of thousand you know 500 mil water bottles and just hand them out it, it happens at gigs yeah if you go to you go you go to some summer uh, summer festivals I, I think some of the football clubs have let themselves down here it's not just in the ground Kieran is my concern it's it's outside in the queues it's, you know Sellers Park uh, was built a long time ago in narrow streets mm. so no matter what no matter what time you get to, to get there you're going to queue to get in it, it might only be five minutes it might be 25 minutes and it's the same at every ground and you're being asked to queue outside in the steaming heat without water which you're going to have to then give to stewards it's it doesn't make any sense and it's happened so rarely and yet again football clubs miss out on a, on a decent bit of not even pr it's just decent behavior basically it, it's, now um i once had uh shall we say heated discussion with the naturalist chris packham uh, uh, I know this uh, story, uh, uh, which is partly about his claim that we're only we're only ever ten foot away from a rat in London. Uh, that's where it started. It, it ended a long way later with him 
storming out of a car. But in current times, Kieran, in the world of football finance, we are only ever 10 foot away from a cryptocurrency story. And yes. we have several today. And the first is that Arsenal's adverts for crypto assets has been deemed irresponsible by the Advertising Standards Authority. Yes, Um the reason why the, the the crypto industry and fan tokens and uh, NFTs uh, want to associate themselves with football is that it brings normalization and legitimacy to those industries. And we've said this on more than one occasion, there is nothing inherently wrong with cryptocurrency, blockchain, fan tokens, um, if you if you accept them at face value. They are not, however, investments. Mm. And it is this uh, th- this nudge, nudge, wink, wink, well, you can make yourself a fortune uh, approach. You know, we, we, we discussed the uh, the Barnsley story yeah. last Thursday, and, that, and uh, you know, Barnsley then decided to, to uh, stop their relationship with Hex.com. Uh, and uh, what we also find is that the supporters of these industries are, are I think it's better to say, uh, passionate uh, is, is one way of describing them, uh, you know, tribal and cult-like. Uh, and that's cult, I said there, um, <laughs> given the abuse that I got, um, is, is another way. So um, the, the Advertising Standards Authority is there to protect people who watch adverts. And Arsenal uh, have had uh, adverts with regards to the Arsenal coin, um, dollar AFC. But if you want to buy an Arsenal coin, you can only buy it using something called a chili. And a chili is the cryptocurrency put out by socios.com. And uh, to be fair, in some of the adverts, there, there was an acknowledgement that um, you could potentially lose all of the money you put into this Arsenal coin. Um, but in the adverts that were on Facebook, there were no such warnings and, and they're being put out. And then you get the uh, the people who are there as cheerleaders to, to whip up interest, to whip up value. Now, the, the price of an Arsenal coin, I think, has gone down around about 60% since it was launched. Um, you know, people will say, well, hold on, you know, we're in the middle of a bear market, there's an economic crisis. Um, all, all the more reason, therefore, for being transparent and honest uh, and open with regards to, to any product. So the ASA have uh, have come down pretty hard in respect of Arsenal. Arsenal did, did appeal against an initial ruling. Um, Arsenal have come out with a very po-faced comment. They say that, uh, that the Arsenal coin... It's a utility token to encourage fan, tartis, fan, part, fan participation, and it's materially different from cryptocurrencies. Um, but you then say, okay, what exactly is a utility token? Mm. And, and as soon as I ask, you know, it, well, it, it, gives, it gives intangible benefits. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, the word intangible means <laughs> invisible. It, you know, it, it's, uh, it's something you can't physically touch. So... Um, They've not come out of this particularly well, Arsenal. They're, they're still harumphing uh, with regards to the ASE approach. But th- there are too many of these stories doing the rounds. There are too many failed coins um, or in terms of value. If you want to go and buy one of these coins, just to say, say, well, I now feel closer to Arsenal Football Club as a result of doing so, 
well then there's no difference in that to the Chesterfield story. You know, yeah. If you if you yeah. if it makes you feel warm and fuzzy, but Chesterfield is saying, look, you ain't going to make any money from this. Stick it on the wall uh, every time you go for a you know a plop plops. Then you can look at that. Uh, you, you can look at your 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 certificate on the wall, and uh, you you get that you get that warm feeling. With Arsenal and the coins, that's fine. But it, they're not coming out to the same extent and saying, "Look, this is, this is this is a piece of fluff. This is not a legitimate investment." I, uh, a, a grown man saying "plop plops" here, and it's just we might have to stop for a moment there while I <laughs> compose myself. Can you just remind us, Kieran, um, what you mean by bear market? Yeah, a bear market is one which is uh, decreasing in value, and what te- and it comes from you. Know, it's like a bear with a sore head, and uh, it's it's where prices uh, fall over a concerted period of time, um, and then that's what we have as, as always what we've had uh, uh, you know, sort of over the course of the last uh, twelve months. Uh, the ramifications of rising inflation, the the war in Ukraine. Uh, all have had negative impacts on on global economic activity. Cesc Fabregas was a wonderful player for Arsenal. Mm. Uh, He's now signed for Italian club Como, but also uh, he's become part owner, which is an unusual sort of move, isn't it? It is, um, yeah. I think they're in uh, Serie B. Uh, yeah, Cesc Fabregas, one of the Baroness's favourite players, by the oh. way. I've got no idea why, um, <laughs> but that's because I'm not a cynic, you see. Um, all right, Graham. So... All right, Graham Soonis. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so he signed a two-year deal, and he has become a part owner. And, and this does appear to be sort of a, uh, a bit of an ongoing trend because we've got David Beckham with Inter Miami. We've got the class of 92 at Salford City. Jamie Vardy has apparently bought into Rochester, New York. Um, Georgie Hadji, who was one of my favourite players mm. back in the mid-'90s, um, he's... He's effectively set up his own club, which has been very successful. Um, yeah, we're, we're both old enough to remember Francis Lee, who, who turned his toilet roll empire into uh, into the acquisition of Manchester City. Um, Dave, Dave Whelan, uh, Wigan. You know, so, so footballers moving into ownership. Cesc Farragut, very, very smart guy. Um, so how many shares has he bought? We're not sure. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's an unusual thing to take place when a player is still uh, is still you know, using his boots, as it were, um, but uh, I think it is something we will see as, as as a growing trend. You know what what the players want to do under EFL rules. Uh, players are allowed to to buy up. I think it's up to ten percent uh, of a club that they're playing for purely as an investment. Um, although in the Premier League, they're not allowed to own any shares whatsoever. Um, and another thing I didn't realise about uh, uh, Como was that uh, uh, chief, its chief executive is Dennis Wise. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, well I read that. I've got, what? Yeah. I didn't know he spoke Italian. I, t- so, I, I, I don't think they would challenge him if he didn't speak Italian. <laughs> I, I imagine he just shouts loudly in English and points at things, but it's, I did not know that, that little Dennis Wise. It would be interesting, Kieran, to see whether the – it was an inducement for Cesc Fabregas to sign for Como that, that they offered him mm. 
shares or or whether it was the other way around that they offered him shares and he said, well, I'll come if I can play. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine it would be because he will he will have he will have had to pay for the shares, right? Uh, so, so when he when he joined the club, so he, it could be that it's a nominal number of shares that that he bought, though. Yeah, you know, if uh, you know, I, I know some 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 managers that when they move to a club, they sometimes buy buy shares, um, and then when they get sacked six months later, they they say, well, never never really that interested in the first place. Now, I may have mentioned before that Ali, uh, whose father was a Methodist minister, God rest his soul, which meant they moved around quite a lot, but she spent the second part of her childhood in Kenilworth. Uh, So I still know a lot of the people she made friends with at school, and most of the boys are Coventry fans, and indeed are most of the girls. And judging by the messages I was getting yesterday, Coventry fans are... Slightly worried at the moment, uh, firstly about the whole situation. They may be about to sue their landlord, Wasps, the rugby club, in relation to matches postponed at the RICO, the Coventry Building Society, whatever it's called, but more so by the fact that, rather oddly, Simon Jordan, ex-owner of Crystal Palace, uh, said live on Talk Sport Radio yesterday that he was considering buying the club. Yes. Um, so I, th- I think it's... Uh, I th- useful to separate out these two issues um during the commonwealth games the uh the the rico because it is the rico let's not pretend otherwise um the the rico was used for for the rugby sevens um and by all accounts it's taken an absolute hammering Mm. now wasps are the landlords wasps have financial challenges at present they they missed some loan repayments uh, which, which which were due. Um, that's not gone down well with the people that have lent them the money. Um, the club is losing money as well. It's had an on off relationship. I think it's is the politest way of describing it with Coventry City itself. Um, and um, last Thursday there was um, an independent agrimist inspection. Now, mm. I don't know what an agrimist is, but I presume it's something to do with uh, something to do with grass. We could perhaps refer it to Manscaped. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> as, as part of our of our relationship with, with our very our very good friends there. Um, so uh, the, the the pitch was deemed to be unsuitable. Uh, you know, not not of the quality required. Therefore, um, Coventry went and postponed the game. Um, and, and now they've they've had to postpone another match, and I think that it could go as far as three. So, so where does this leave them with the EFL? Now we know that matches get postponed. Uh, I think Forest Green Rovers versus Accrington Stanley that was uh, that was a match match was abandoned or postponed due to um, uh, a waterlogged pitch. Yeah, you know, we've we've had matches postponed due to fog. Other issues arising. Uh, I think West Ham, when the uh, World Athletics Championship took place in the London Stadium, they their first couple of matches were were away from home. Yeah. So, so there, there is a history, especially at the start of seasons, of uh, matches being arranged uh, in an unusual pattern, and and that that's that's just part of football. Um, but this this appears to have come as a bit of a surprise to Coventry. They are unhappy. They will have printed programs. They will have arranged for catering. Um, so um, it could be that they're now going to try to uh, try to recover some of that money from Wasps uh, as compensation. In terms of the EFL, 
um, the, the EFL rules say that if you do not fulfil a match, then potentially you are in trouble. Mm. Um, and uh, you know where where does this leave them? Um, it's because Coventry have an obligation themselves regarding pitch maintenance, and this, this is the problem with your tenant. Like, according to the EFL rules, um, it's it's the club's responsibility to make sure that the pitch is in of a high enough quality. If, however, the club itself has a relationship with the landlord, it's 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 hand to held. So the Coventry could find itself um, up with a charge, guilty of misconduct, and I think this is one of the things which concerns Cov fans is that there will be an independent disciplinary commission if, if charges are made, and by all accounts, the range of sanctions is is as wide as it can possibly be. Mm. Could be finger wagging, could be you know, go and sort it out with the landlord, could be a fine, worst case scenario, could be points deduction. And you know, we, we've said all along that we think that disputes or, or charges should should be financial rather than what happens on the pitch, and which is ironic mm. that this is a, a pitch issue which could result in a uh, in, in a in a possible point. So I think it highly unlikely myself that, that the EFL Commission would want to do something of it, this nature simply because it does appear to be outside of the club's control. They must have been aware that the the rugby sevens were taking place, but you know, I, I would assume that they. They they thought there was good faith that uh, you know if there were pitch issues, it now looks I think as if there's going to be some you know a, a complete relay of the pitch, um, which uh, according to to people I've spoken to, I think we're talking hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, Wasps don't have hundreds of thousands of pounds necessarily in their back pocket to to pay for this. Yeah, I think Coventry's other problem as well is that they had several large gigs on the pitch as well, uh, mm. which they don't see the benefit of because it's wasps obviously having those gigs. So, yeah. so the pitch is damaged and therefore Coventry's reputation is damaged and possibly they could forfeit the games uh, from something that happened from which they have no benefit. But the the problem with the ground, Kieran, does this then now become more attractive as a, a, a club to buy for somebody like Simon Jordan, God forbid, if it seems that wasps might be willing to sell the ground as well. Because otherwise, all you're doing is buying the name Coventry City, isn't mm. it, as well? And Simon Jordan at Palace, one of the reasons we got into such trouble was because of the whole, you know, Simon Jordan didn't own the freehold of, of Sellers Park. He bought the lease from Ron Nodes, essentially, um, or from Goldberg, essentially. Or, no, it's still Ron Nodes who held it. So it, it's, it's a slightly complicated situation for anybody buying the club, isn't it? It is. I mean, uh, Coventry are owned by a by a hedge fund called Sisu, who I think for a, for a long period of time have been pretty unpopular with uh, Coventry fans. Although that that relationship appears to have sort of that, that thawed uh, in, in recent years, it looks as if Sisu are now of the view that uh, wasps might need to sell the stadium in order to address their financial concerns. And it would make sense for whoever came in to buy both the stadium and the um, and the football club itself. Now, how much that's going to be is, is open to question. Um, I, I went into Wasp's accounts and 
um, they had the the stadium valued last year at fifty two million. So you add on an amount for the, the football club on top, and uh, you know we are talking a substantial sum of money. So uh, yeah, I've I've seen Simon Jordan's comments. I think that was in response to uh, you know a, a tweet or a message which came into Talk Sport to say, "Well, go and Simon. Yeah, why don't you buy it?" And he sort of said, well, I'm not saying I won't buy it, but whether that's him really showing, throwing his hat into the ring uh, is, is, is not quite as concrete as that. All right. Well, he's got other issues. He's got his fight with Lawrence Bassini to sort out first of all, isn't he? Well, they, they, he could have that at the stadium. That could be the sort of the opening night. That's a great idea. That, that, that would sell out. That would sell out. I'd buy all the tickets for that. I'd be, I'd be in Lawrence Bassini's corner fanning him with a – Newspaper saying, get back in there, Lawrence, get back in there. Uh, the Super League uh, is about to start, Kieran, with FIFA's blessing, but not where we expected it to be. That's right. Um, and, and as always with FIFA, there's there's a lot of politics involved. Um, this is the African Super League, which is due to start uh, next August, I believe. There's going to be 24 clubs. It's, it's got a $100 million prize pot. I, I, I think... You know, Af- African football is intriguing, but it's very much dominated by the North African mm. countries. Um, this potentially would give opportunities for clubs uh, from from Southern African countries to to perhaps be more competitive. Each country in in CAF, which is the African Federation, is getting one million dollars. So I'm saying, well, there's a lot of money involved in here. Um, where this money's coming from? doesn't seem to be quite as uh, as transparent as, as one would hope. Uh, I, I can't see it necessarily coming from, from CAF itself because CAF lost $40 million in its most recent accounts. Um, Gianni Infantino is, is very much in favour of it, which this is the same Gianni Infantino who was very opposed to the Super League mm. in Europe. Mm. Um, although I think, to be fair, uh, the proposals here for this Super League um, are – that the, the clubs would be would be recruited on merit, would be based on the, the last five years average of uh, you know of some sort of point system. Um, so um, it, it's an intriguing one, but there's already some form of Champions League in Africa. There's already you know, fans are saying, well, what about the impact of uh, domestic uh, in domestic leagues, which often struggle themselves to to get decent crowds and and commercial sponsorship? Um, and, and reading some of the comments on places like goal.com um, and, and I don't want to, to, to fall into uh, you know stereotyping here that there, there is a fear fear of corruption involved because you know, African football has has had a history of, of not necessarily uh, being completely transparent itself historically so um, if it's a successful competition that that could be great opportunities for players to develop opportunities for clubs to to operate on a, on, on a more of a uh, even keel financially but where the funding is ultimately coming from for this competition, because it, it's, it's going to stand or fall on, on TV ratings like, like all other competitions, uh, is still open to question. Mm. Uh, it's been a busy week for FIFA, Kira. They, they took a rather drastic step regarding the FA uh, of India, or the equivalent to the FA of India, haven't they? Yes, um, they've, uh, they've been banned from uh, FIFA. Uh, right. So it means they can't play international 
they cannot participate in international competitions or play international matches. India was due to to host the Women's Under-17 World Cup Mm. uh, in November. Um, That looks like it could be, uh, that opportunity could be lost. And the reason why FIFA have done this, and um, I will be critical of FIFA when I think there's a criticism, I also Give, give them credit where it's due. And I think here they, they do deserve some credit. Um, the the Indian Supreme Court disbanded the Indian Football Association a few months ago. And in the words of, of FIFA, we do not tolerate third-party interference. Um, as you know, We are the governing body of sport. We, we don't want politicians getting too involved. And I know this is one of the questions I think we've asked on a previous show with regards to the the fan-led review of Tracy Crouch. Um, <laughs> See, that spread. See, people are going to start getting suspicious, Kieran, that, you, that you're saving the Tracy Crouch references to the last 10 minutes of the show. But the bet, we're going to look into the betting patterns, Kieran. I'm telling you. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so so this this is there. Th- these rules from FIFA are there to to preserve the independence of, of individual football associations. We've seen previous bans in Kuwait, in Benin, in Nigeria. Uh, so, so FIFA does actually try to stand up for the football authorities um, at times because – um, politicians are sometimes motivated by self-interest and not uh, and not necessarily in the best interests of clubs themselves. Uh, do we know why the Indian court uh, disbanded the FA? Uh, I've, I've not got full details. It, it was, I think, it's fair to say, politically motivated. I'll go no further than that. Right. So, so FIFA's worry was that the the courts in in India, uh, I think, they appointed a free man committee to start running football didn't they so that's that's where fifa's yeah. problem is yeah okay all right yeah um, now i'm sure kieran that our listeners will be delighted to know that you and i talk to each other outside the pod uh, <laughs> and this week's subject of conversation has been mainly when the you know is guy coming back um but we we did joke after palace's point at, at liverpool we actually joked that that's it title race is done give it to man city now and lo and behold some of the bookies uh, already agree with us, and, and one one is even talking about paying out to people who put money on Man City, which with thirty six games to go is uh, slightly ludicrous. It, it is indeed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the best odds you can get are eleven to four on. Wow, wow. Which with th- which with thirty six matches to go, yeah. um, you know, Brighton, we're, in, we're only two points behind City, and we're five hundred to one. Mm. But then. That that that's probably fair odds, actually. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not leaving this seat to put money on Brighton winning anything. <laughs> right. you, you could be ten million to one. I'm still not. You're not even a pound on my money. Um. So so yeah 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 we we we're not a gambling show. We we both admit that we we do gamble on football now and then, um, uh, and other sports. But uh, equally, we're we're not hugely in favour of some of the business practices of the industry. That's why. Uh, that, that's our that's our independent stance, and that's why we don't. And people are wondering. That's why we don't take adverts from the gambling industry, and we've not accepted sponsorship. It's just that we quite like the idea of being independent. And I know other institutions who get support from the gambling industry. They sometimes get that phone call. Well, would you would you rather change some of those words in that yeah. report? Um, and yeah, we 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 quite like. But yeah, we're still fanzine. This is this is a, this is a fanzine with words. Uh, spoken rather than written. So uh, yes, uh, the, the bookies seem to have given up uh, in terms of the championship. Uh, who's going to win the the Premier League this season? 
uh, and uh, have effectively handed it across to Manchester City, which is, as you rightly say, does seem a bit, bit premature. You know, all, all clubs can have a, a poor run of results and uh, uh, there's some other decent sides in the Premier League as well. Yeah, we had that conversation very early on, Kieran, in our relationship, didn't we, with Guy about we would never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, be sponsored by a gambling company. And then the first time one of them tried to sponsor us and we realised how much money we could have made. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, maybe we should... Maybe we should rethink that. But no, we, we we stuck to our guns, which is why, as you say, it's still a fanzine with words. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, our final story, Kieran, is uh, Inter Milan's shirt sponsor have yet to make any payments. The club are thinking about legal action. I wonder if our, if our lovely listeners can have a guess as to what industry Inter Milan's shirt sponsor may be from. <laughs> well, it will come as a huge surprise that uh, this is a blockchain company called Digital Bits. Um, they've got an 85 million euro deal with the uh, Nerazzurri, and um, I'm—that's about as far as my Italian goes. Although um, I'm in a French newspaper, stroke online magazine today, uh, which says that I am the uh, uh, I am the derriere the de price de football podcast. <laughs> You're the bottom of the price of. I'm, I'm the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, 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 don't, I wish don't say things like online stroke magazine because that, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely about leaving. The, what in what context? What if you're a derriere? What am I then? Am I, I'm not mentioned. That's what I, I'm my guess. <laughs> That's my guess. That's my normally my role in this is to not be mentioned. But why? Are they suggesting that you speak out of your derriere, Kieran? On this, well, that's what I was. And, and and I sort of read read the magazine, and you know, I've, I've not done. Uh, I've not done fr- much French since my 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 grade C in nineteen seventy eight O level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was particularly impressed with Le Big Six, <laughs> which which was, was I, I, can, I can get about four words in every sentence. I think I can. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all about it's all about Newcastle. Um, and I think it is indicative of of the huge interest in in English football uh, from not not just from uh, the domestic broadcasters and and uh, media, but uh, I've got a German magazine, French. Uh, I'm on South African radio uh, this afternoon, um, and it it just shows the fascination that people have with with the sport that we love. Um, and, and why football finance that they're interested in it is, is beyond me. Uh, but uh, but uh, we, we, we wouldn't be here unless we were unless they were. Um, so yeah, Inter have had losses of over three hundred million in the, in the past couple of years. Um, they've had to they've had to borrow, um, and now this comes along. There, there is now a threat that Inter might remove digital bits from the fa- from the front of their shirts. Originally. Um, they were the sleeve sponsor. They, they've they've taken over from Socios, who have also been mentioned today as part of the Arsenal story that we've had. So uh, it is uh, it is a much broadening uh, footprint that the world of crypto and uh, fan tokens and uh, NFTs is is having on the game today. And as we said before, you've got to treat them as non investments, and then just just you know if you want to treat them as glorified panini cards that. That's that's the best way to do it. Mm. Uh, before we go on to say goodbye, Kieran, just uh, pertinent to our previous story, I, I would like to point out that I do not gamble on football. I have the occasional flutter on horses. I do not gamble oh, okay. on. I do not gamble on football. I'm certainly 
definitely not one of those people, Kieran, who thinks that their team may lose a football match and so they have a bet on that taking place, Kieran. That 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 sort of behaviour, and I'm pointing no fingers, Kieran, because <laughs> people can't see me pointing the finger. But yeah, well, let's just let's just just leave it hanging there, while while the hopefully the derriere of English football looks. <laughs> <slightly>. <laughs> what we need to do, we, we need to get Dennis Wise, who we've established now is multilingual. Uh, we, yes. we'll, get, we'll get him to translate. We'll, we'll lift him up onto the table and help him to read the paper. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that'd be very kind of you. You can go to patreon.com slash price of football. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at price of We'll be back on Monday as usual with our questions pod. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, as always, thank fans, folks, I'm 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 in terrible trouble with my words today. Thank you very much for the support for the show, uh, which uh, which is expressed in many ways. Um, Patreon is one way of doing that. Another way of doing that is is to go onto that podcast app of yours and give us a review. You can give us five stars. It, it helps us with algorithms. It helps us in the charts. It helps us in terms of credibility when we're trying to to book some guests. And we we've not booked any guests uh, in, for the past few shows simply because that would involve myself and Kevin having <laughs> a degree of organization and skill which is beyond us so so producer guy please come back we love you we miss you um but uh, you if, if you give us five stars it doesn't actually matter what you say in the narrative if you're giving a review you could you could say you would rather have the show presented by Jerry Sadovitz and H from Steps and I think that would be a fascinating show myself and I definitely I definitely listen in Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, uh, having spent time with both of those people, uh, uh, let's let's not go there, Kieran. We, we we'll, we'll keep it at a forty-five minute pod. Let's let's right. Uh, uh, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye, everybody. I'm for the